Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. However, wherever, whenever you're listening, this is the Root for Wisconsin show, episode 37, coming at you from the Riverwood Gallery and Meteor True Value Studio in De Pere, Wisconsin. I'm the host, producer, Eric Fisher, the Big E, joined in person by Ramsey Thompson. Ramsey, how are you doing this week? Awesome, guys. How are you doing? Fantastic. Not joining us this week, although contributing, is Justin Dahl. Justin is currently coaching football once again. He will be joining us next week, from what I understand. So nice. the full band will be back together next week, probably via Zoom, but it is what it is. I mean, I can just do some really bad takes, and it'd be just like he's here. <laughs> he could probably say the same thing if it was just two of us. I mean, no. <laughs> sure, but no. All right. This episode, as usual, partners over at Monkey Knife Fight and Raise Energy. You heard our contest on the slates last week for the full season slates on Monkey Knife Fight. Raise Energy, get you the rainbow flavor before it goes away. Another new flavor coming here soon. They have not announced it yet. Correct? They have not announced it yet, but it's guaranteed to be a banger. Have they ever had anything that's not a banger? They have not. Just questioning? I mean, like, they have not. for real? But if you go to their website, repsports.com, use code ROOT4, R-O-O-T, number four, get 15% off any order, not just your first one, your second one, your third one. You're saying any order? Any order. 15% I, I get 15% off. off. Every order. That's amazing. And they usually throw in some free stuff, too. So They usually do. I got a free sticker the first time. I got a free shaker bottle last time I ordered. So, Root for Wisconsin... Rep Sports, code Root4. Get yourself some raised energy. The raised cakes, they've got protein bite power, you know, protein bites now. So many different things. I heard go check a it sleep out. Supplement too. So sleep you can get supplements. hyped up on raised and then take their sleep supplement and go right to bed. Pre-workout. So you can drink raised any time of the day. Any time of the day, rep sports. With that said, we go to right into the business here, Ramsey. Right into the business. What we had rooted for this week, this is sponsored by Fanatics. Fanatics, show your love for your team. Whether you're on top of the world, like our Milwaukee Bucks, our Milwaukee Brewers, and hopefully our Green Bay Packers, or if you're a Jaguars fan, you want to get that Trevor Lawrence jersey, that's what we're watching right now. I think I'm going to get a Trevor Lawrence jersey. Fanatics.com, man. You said Fanatics, right? Fanatics.com. How many stores do they have? 300 plus. So you're saying that they're definitely going to have a Trevor Lawrence jersey. They will definitely have a Trevor Lawrence jersey. They have Bucks Championship gear too, don't they? Bucks Championship gear. Do they have uh, NASCAR driver apparel? NASCAR driver apparel they have. So what can I not get there? I don't know. They got soccer stuff. I mean, that's barely a sport, but it's still there. It's there. You name it, it's there. 300-plus powered sports. Yeah, go check it out. It's, It's great. I mean, really, if the Bucks championship, they have like 43 pages of championship gear for the Bucks. Stuff you can't find in stores. Yeah, so go check them out. They're a wonderful partner of the store. So, Ramsey, what did you root for this week? So, I root for a couple things, but none of them are football-related. Go ahead. Didn't even watch football. I watched part of that, but we'll get into that. So, uh, what did you root for this week? Well, I was rooting for uh, the Le Mans 24-hour race. Okay. Big race in, in the racing world. It's, uh, there's really like four big races in the world right now. Mm-hmm. The Monaco Grand Prix. Yep. The Le Mans 24. Yep. Indy 500. Yep. Daytona 500. Yep. So that's the scale this is on. This is one of those world tunes in to pay attention to what's going on in sport car racing. Um, the Toyota team won. It, see, it wasn't that entertaining. I watched probably about 16 hours of Le Mans, 16 of the 24. Nice. They run it. It starts, it's over in France, so it starts really late. So I only got to see part of it, mm-hmm. but I tried to watch as much as I could. 
The Toyota team ended up winning by a full lap. Wow. So, in the hypercar class. Um, this is a really wild event. Like, if you ever get the opportunity to check it out. So, for our, our not as experienced, but our loyal listeners of the Route for Wisconsin show, back in February, we had talked about 24 hours of Daytona. Right. So, besides being not at a super speedway, what are the differences between Le Mans and Daytona, the 24-hour races? Um, Le Mans is a lot flatter. So if you know anything about racing, a flat track is considerably more harder than a bank track. Mm-hmm. So when they run the 24-hour at Daytona, about 40 to 50% of the track has a bank on it. Mm-hmm. So the car doesn't necessarily, you don't have to work the car as much as you do at Le Mans. Okay. Le Mans has a 3.7 mile, basically straight away. Cars reach speeds well over 200 miles an hour. And then it goes basically into a 90-degree right-hand turn. Mm-hmm. So just to watch these cars that are just on the bleeding edge of technology. So any technology you see in sports cars in your modern car today was at Le Mans about 20 years ago. Wow. So that's where all the racing technology starts, and then it trickles down into your modern-day car from your modern-day manufacturer. So like Corvette has a GTLM program. So that's the third highest class at Le Mans. They run four classes, GT, AM, GTLM, LMP2, and then hypercar. But the Corvette that they run in GTLM is very close to the Corvette you can buy on the street. Mm -hmm. It's obviously a race car version, but... All the technology is all still there. So the Corvette, the C8 that came out this past year, is kind of based on that. Uh, it's the C8R is what it's called. Okay. So it's a lot of just very... It's like almost watching a f- the future of racing in modern time, if that makes sense. Right. So it's just a very... It's just a wild race to watch. 24 hours, they run straight. They have four drivers. Yeah, it can do a minimum of a six-hour run. So everyone's going to drive at least six hours in one given time. And, yeah, I mean, it's just they did like 400 laps or something. Jeez. Of, uh, I believe it's a 3.7-mile track. Wow. So uh, athletes at, obviously, the peak performance running, no sleep. I mean, pit crews running 24-7. It's just mm-hmm. an amazing event. So check it out if you ever get around to... Be able to watch them on. Yeah, definitely. I am rooting for college athletes who got scholarships who were not anticipating them. And there's two specific stories I want to reference here. The first one uh, happened early last week, and it's it's titled one of the best NIL name image likeness deals you'll see. And for BYU football, the this Utah-based uh, company called Built Bar looks like a like a nutrition store, but also could be alcohol. I'm not quite sure. I'm guessing, based on BYU, I'm guessing it's nutrition. Just a guess. What a bunch of losers. I'm not getting in that conversation. I'm not trying to get completely canceled, but... It, it, Can you imagine not liking chug beer? I, I know. I know. Um, but this Utah-based built bar will pay the tuition of all 36 walk-ons at BYU. So scholarships, essentially, because they can have outside influence kind of finally come in and do what's probably been kind of happening behind the scenes for years, but can do it publicly now. Right. 
On the flip side of that, a non-NIL deal uh, happened to a local product playing for the University of Minnesota. I want to be very clear, I cannot stand P.J. Fleck. I love P.J. Fleck. I think he's the biggest douchebag. Yeah, he's good at what he does, though. He is, he's a great motivator. I just can't stand him as a coach. But tell me he didn't have success at Minnesota. He's, I mean, he's shown up there and said almost instant success. He has. He, it's a rivalry for the Badgers, yeah, but, but he also... Still, he still wins. That conference championship, the, the co-division championship ring he got the players, that was kind of one of those things. that just He was more successful at Western Michigan, which also just speaks to him as a coach. Great coach. Yeah, he just... This is what, year three at Michigan? Or Minnesota? Three or four. Yeah, he's just getting started. So you really have PJ Fleck. He's a badass. Roll the boat. I just can't. I just can't. At least he's entertaining. He is. He is. What I will say though, so local product, Derek LeCaptain out of Southern Door. I had covered him when he was playing in high school for Southern Door when I was working up in Door County. You will not find sports cliches when you talk about kids and stuff like that, but you won't find a harder working kid who was smart across all boards of the game, represented his school academically, athletically, you name it, all the, you know, everything. Um, as a junior, I was at, I actually called his 1,000 point in basketball. Uh, he said that I think he ended up setting or being up there with the, the Southern Door, which is a very successful basketball program historically. And have been very good for my entire life. Right. They've been a good program. He scored his 1,000 point at a junior, like in the middle of the season. Um, so I was on the call for that game. But anyway, I bring all this up. So he had been, he decided to go the route of football. He took a walk-on, uh, walk-on deal with Minnesota as a linebacker. He was the 2019 practice player of the year. The 2020 game, he was a game captain in multiple games in 2020 for special teams. He was the practice, or the spring game player of the year this year. And a number of other accolades. Um, so they did this really cool thing where, so as you mentioned, the row the boat thing that they do um, at Minnesota, he had an oar with like a bunch of like the, the team, like uh, respect, commitment, you know, all the stereotypical sports cliches and what they mean to the program. Yeah, row the boat, baby. And at the end, he had, so he had different players come down. And do, like, this is what this means to me. This is what this means to me. And at the end, he had Derek Captain come down, gave him the oar, turned it over, and says, you've got a scholarship. So he was a walk-on. He got a scholarship. Really cool video. I have it on my Facebook. So uh, check it out on Facebook. I have it on my Twitter, Big E-W-D-U-Z. You can find it on PJ Flex Twitter um, as well. That's where I had found it. So really cool story for a local kid. Rooting for Derek. Not rooting for the Gophers, but... You can't help It's him. enough to kind of make you almost root for P.J. Fleck. I've always been rooting for P.J. Fleck. I, I can't believe you don't like him. It's the Minnesota thing. Like, we went from facing him in that Western Michigan uh, bowl team. Which we beat him. We beat them. And then he went right to Minnesota and became the Badgers' biggest rival besides Ohio State. So well, we're not really Ohio State's rival, though. No, we're not. But A rivalry would mean that we beat them every once in a while. That's true. That's fair. Good. Fair enough. So we, fair enough. We think Ohio State's rival, maybe. They're our main obstacle. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Well, Minnesota might be now. 
that P.J. Fleck, at least they have someone entertaining over there. That's true. That is true. So that's what I had rooted for. Tiger here, no good of the week. Time to go from the positives and the good, good of the world right in the negatives of the dumpster. Um, Tyler Hero, Nugget of the Week time. I'm going to go with Packer fans again. What a bunch of For nerds. the same thing I said last week. I, I don't really want to go over it again. I think you should, Eric, because I don't think people listened last time. Stop doing the damn wave, especially when the team's on offense. Stop chanting, go Pack, go, when the team's on offense. Matt LaFleur had to come out in his press conference on Saturday and say, we need to stop doing this when we're on offense. It's preseason games. I get it. I don't want to be Mr. Grumpy Old Man here. Because if you look at it, because like, he had the press conference, and of course, every news organization, sports organization in, in the Green Bay, Wisconsin area, put that on their Facebook, and you have all these old Sour Grapes fans and people, stop telling the people what to do. Worry about your team on the field. Stop worrying about the stand. Shut up. This man is here to evaluate a team, get this team ready for the regular season, also to build his home field advantage and get the team ready for that. And on top of that, the two preseason games that they played already have been at home. These are guys fighting for their jobs. I, I was just about to say, I'm glad you got to And it. if they can't hear the communication on offense, defense, you know, you're supposed to be as loud as you can. Defense is all mostly hand signals and stuff. But on offense, when it's so verbal, especially in Green Bay... Shut up. Literally. And the thing about it is, too, I get you're excited about a preseason game. I understand. Enjoy it. Like, have fun. I want you to go, go have party a blast. Before, go party after. Yeah, but just when the Packers are on offense. Defense, like, yeah, do the wave as much as you want. I don't care. But the wave is probably the lamest it is. thing in sports. It is. If you're the wave, you're a nerd. You are. But if you're going to do it, do it on defense. Yeah, and doing it on offense is ridiculous, especially at this point like Eric said, you're starting to mess with people's livelihoods. And I, I know that sounds like, oh, no, we're not. But you are. There's a lot of guys that we were going to talk about this later that are very close on a cut line that you doing the wave might call a timeout to come, and that guy doesn't get his opportunity. Now all of a sudden that guy is not playing in the league anymore. Yeah, and just, it's just because we're being dumb. Like, and be better than that. You're, if you call yourself a Packer fan, you've got to know better. Like, this isn't, like I, like I said, I get being there. Have fun. Have, have a blast. Enjoy the stadium atmosphere. Enjoy the mecca of football that is Lambeau Field. But when the Packers are on offense, shut up. Yeah, be a better fan then. Be a better fan. Know the role. Know the moment. Stay in your lane. Be loud when teams on defense. And make it hard for the other team to get good looks on guys. And make other opponents not as good. But also make the Packers' defense get psyched up and do what they have to do. But the offense is not the time to do that when it's very verbal communication. That's my, that's my nugget of the week. Again. It's probably not going to be the last. I'm going to guess we're going to go to a game. You know, Packers' regular season fans are pretty good about this. Ooh. Packer, okay? Packers' regular fans, we're watching uh, Saints... Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence just took a, his own hand off his helmet. That I love Trevor feel Lawrence. Good. But yeah, no regular season fans, playoff fans, a lot better than that. So I'm not too worried about it going forward. But this is kind of where it's especially because like you said you have guys who are on the cut lines, you have guys who are you know trying to get their footing on the team, even if they're making the team. You know, you take a guy say like Jordan Love last week, 
who is trying to prove his worth in the NFL in his first ever start well, and, not and only, show his command of the team and get his better command of the offense that he never got a chance to do last year. Well, not only that, the fact that Jordan Love also is probably one of the most criticized players in the league. And he hasn't played. He hasn't played. And that's, I guess, not necessarily his fault. Could be his fault, whatever. However you want to look at that, but... It's literally not his fault. We got to give him a... Well, he could be better. Well, we, we didn't know that. He played one half of football. Yeah, the yeah, but he could be better. He, I guess. He could have came into camp and like, hey, we have to get this guy on the main roster. Regardless. So, yeah, being critical of Jordan Love. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we need to be better at being fans, especially in Green Bay. Like, I expect better of Packer fans in general. This is like Bears preseason stuff or Bears regular season stuff. You don't do that. Or Lions Chargers fans. Chargers fans, which is mostly road fans anyway, but Rams fans. I could see Rams fans doing the wave during a game, like when the offense is on the field. Yeah, but there's certain places that I, that would shock me, like Kansas City or New England or even New Orleans. Like the fans are better than that. So Green Bay fans be better too. Also, while we're talking about Green Bay, I was looking at tickets earlier last week. If you have never been to a Packer game, this is going to be a relatively good year to do it. Tickets are not crazy expensive. So if you don't mind where you sit, which there's I think you can agree. Bad spot in Lambeau. There's not a bad seat in the entire place. Um, personally, I've had great experiences in the corners. I don't necessarily like sitting in the corners, but there's not a bad seat. That's probably my least favorite place to sit because you mm-hmm. only you get kind of a weird angle of the game. Right. But even then, it's still great. But anyways, so if you have not been to a game, go check out tickets. They're reasonable this year. All things considered, yeah. All things considered, yeah. To, especially to get out of the house to go to Lambo. I believe there were some games that were under $130 a ticket. Which is a lot for some people, but... That's reasonable. All things considered on the secondary market, that's incredible. Yeah. So, Ramsey, what's your earning of the week this week? Uh, Brad Kozlowski. Let's go. Brad Kozlowski dumps Austin Dillon with, in the end of stage two in the Michigan race. And I don't think Brad meant to do it. But Brad needs to know where you're at in the race. The, the stage is over. So NASCAR gets split up into three stages. First stage, second stage, finish. Mm-hmm. So in the end of stage two, Austin Dillon passes Brad Kozlowski on the bottom. Austin Dillon cuts up the track a little bit because the stage is over. Brad doesn't move at all, and Austin gets dumped into the wall. He took a massive hit. So my nugget is to you, Mr. Brad Kozlowski, you need to understand where you're at in the race a little bit better than that because it was a scary hit. Like, I wasn't... Yeah, I saw, I saw that. It was, it was a scary hit that Austin Dillon took that... Didn't need to happen. Didn't need to happen over something that was already determined. Just lay off the gas. I get you're competitive. I get that, but he passed you. Like, just give him a little bit of room. You're not going to gain that spot back, especially when the stage is over. Like, it's over. So you went to a caution, like, and you turned a guy. Yeah, I can't be doing that. Cannot be doing that. Uh, one quick note. I know that we, we didn't get a uh, chance to, I should have probably mentioned it earlier here in our, what we had rooted for. Very successful. Thank you to anybody who donated. I know we talked about this last week. Thank you to anybody who donated um, to the Run for Rachel 5K. The GoFundMe page, as we mentioned last week, got over the 50,000 goal. Uh, they had, I think I talked to Michelle DeBush, who was running the, the 5K. She was kind of one of the organizers. 
I think they had 460 some participants like put in money, like $20 entry. They had 250 plus runners in the 5K. And then they had a second benefit after that at Spirits and Gillette. What an awesome turnout. So Especially for a great fair weekend. Fair weekend. You had people who were probably already spending money in town. You had people from out of town come to Gillette already and stay in Gillette for this. Great turnout. Really proud of the local, the O'Connell County area. Gillette, Surrey, mm-hmm. uh, O'Connell Falls helped out quite a bit too. So all the local business. I know we um, were sponsors of the T-shirts. I know Gary Regal Insurance was. Um, I know there's a number of other, other groups, but shout out to the Run for Rachel. Great stuff there. So glad. I know. Jo- I was kind of wishing Justin would have been on the show because I know his wife was really big in the planning of it too. I'm sure he would have had more information about kind of being there for it because. I was not able to be. I had to work overnight Saturday into Sunday, and it had been Sunday morning. So I was kind of hoping to have boots on the ground, but I'm sure we'll have more information as this whole process goes along. So thank you to everyone who shared. Pay attention to it. Um, If you were able to donate, great. But all in all, next page here, we go to kind of the meat of our episode. Uh, First, we kind of take our trip around the state of Wisconsin Start off with what's brewing. And Brewers, once again, I think they lost one, two games last week. I believe they're, what, 9 of 13 or something 9 like of that? their last 13. Is that right? I believe so. I think that's the number I saw It's, it's 9 or 10 of the last 13 or something like that. Um, they have a 7.5 game on the division, which leads me to my next point. Then tonight they're off. Monday night they're off as we record. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday is arguably the biggest series of the season to this point. Is it the Giants? It's the Reds, who are in second place in the division. Like I said, seven and a half game lead. You can make that ten and a half and really close down that magic number for playoffs. It could be shrink to four and a half. Because ten and a half at this point in the year is pretty much locking. It, it, it wouldn't be a lock-in, but it's... A, Really, so like there would have to be a major issue happen, right? So I don't. I'm assuming you kind of know how this works with basketball. The Brewers' magic number is down to thirty, right? So any combination of the Brewers winning a game takes it down. The Reds lose a game takes it down a spot. So the Reds are playing some of their best baseball right now too. Right, I believe they have won four in a row. Uh, they have had Joey Votto playing at a level that he hasn't probably played at in three or four years, and that's a name that. Your casual baseball fan should know. So that he's playing kind of at his MVP levels. Christian Yelich, by the way, for the Brewers, is back. Christian Yelich in his last 10 games is batting 350, has two home runs. I can't remember the number of RBIs, but he's been just pounding the baseball. If you can get Christian Yelich in this is the rest of the season and his MVP level. The Brewers are a World Series favorite, and it's not—it's like legitimate. With the pitching that they have, the bullpen arms that they have going right now, you're not losing a game if you're leading after the fifth or sixth inning. So theoretically speaking, we could have a World Series champion, an NBA champion, and a Super Bowl, and champion. A Super Bowl champion on the same state. In the same year. In the same year. Yeah. Like, that's not outside their own possibility. It's, it's within, I mean... You very realistically could have, in the same year, Packers NFC Championship game, Bucks champions, 
Brewers champions, Packers champions in a, what, 16-month span? Which is crazy. And just insane. So keep an eye out for the Brewers. Like I said, big series this week. Uh, they have one. This is the, also the last series against the Reds. The Reds are kind of established as the second-place team in the Central. Uh, they have four and a half games up on the Cardinals. The Reds actually are playing so well that they just overtook the Padres for the second wild-card spot in the NL. And the Padres are a damn good team, too, this year. Um, they've kind of fallen on hard times in the last week or two, but they are a damn good team. The NL West is dangerous. But that really speaks to how good the Reds have been playing here lately, too. So big series for the Brewers. Um, really great, you know, take two out of three from the Nationals over the weekend. Like I said, get Christian Yelich back, kind of ticking. All in all, good time to be a Brewers fan, state of Wisconsin. Um, so with that, that's what's brewing with Eric. We go into our Justin segment, which is going to be very light because Justin is not here. However, he did give us some updates. So first of all, best of luck to Justin this week as he is making his football head coach debut on Friday night. I will be there. Ramsey, you probably will be, be there. I'll be there. Yeah. Uh, both of us will be on the sideline helping out. So our coaching debuts, good for us. Look at that. <laughs> We've transitioned. We've made a full circle. Our coaching debuts, Justin's head coach debut for football, to my knowledge. His Jillard football head debut for sure. And so he'll be coaching that. Um, he did want to contribute to the Badger report this week. He said that the depth chart came out. Uh, for the upcoming first game, which will be September 4th against Penn State at Camp Randall. Uh, official depth chart came out. The biggest surprise, and this is Justin's words, uh, would be at center. Joe Tipman, a sophomore, is taking first team reps over Lyles, a senior who has 29 games played. Joe Tipman, isn't he a local product? I'd have to look to confirm that. But uh, this Lyles cat was a four-star recruit coming out, has played 29 games. And Joe Tipman has taken over the role as a sophomore. Well, I think that's a local product. I will confirm that here. But so that is Justin's main contribution here. I'm just going to confirm that here. I'm not sure. That name sounds super familiar. Let's take a look. Joe Tipman, Wisconsin. He's also a four star recruit, by the way. Uh, he's from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Okay. So. Maybe Justin's talked about him before then. Possibility. Also, you know, one other cool thing we didn't really mention in the Route 4, I don't even know if he ended up playing Saturday because I didn't catch a whole lot of the game, but that quarterback, James Morgan, I think, the one from Ashwaubenon with the Jets, getting to come back to Lambeau and do the joint practices, pretty cool stuff there. So quick other shout-out to him, Route for Wisconsin. Ramsey's radar time. And Ramsey, you did not give us a prediction last week um, that was applicable to be reviewed this week. It was Brad Keselowski will win the NASCAR championship. So Did we'll, you see that? I did. I pointed to you when that happened. Two touchdowns by Marquez Calloway. Out of the University of Tennessee. Two-year pro. Two-year pro, and has had an amazing game here. If you get the, the ESPN replay of this uh, Saints-Jaguars game, he's playing on a highlight reel. Yeah, he's had two catches that are... Four touchdowns, both. Um, so this week, first off, I think I have to give myself a little bit of a noogie. Okay. Coming late in the show. I've been a hater of Dak Prescott. Mm-hmm. 
And I've been watching some of the hard knock stuff. Okay. I don't think I'm right on him. I don't think he's a great quarterback, but he's a good leader. I'll say he's a good leader. I, I've been. I'm glad you bring this up. I have been incredibly bored by Hard Knocks this year. But that's good though. That means it's a grown-up team. The years that you're entertained watching Hard Knocks is the years that you're like, oh, that team's gonna be a dumpster fire. The Hugh Jackson left Cleveland Browns. So, <laughs> the Dak Prescott contract, I gave a lot of shit to back when that happened over the summer, springtime. March or April. Whenever, whenever Dak Prescott finally signed his new contract. Um, I understand why they gave him that deal. Like, after watching him kind of behind the scenes, it's really hard not to like him. And I, I will agree with that. Dak is, Prescott isn't a good person. He is a guy that I would want to play with. Okay. Like, if it, if it came down to some, I, I know a little bit of Aaron Rodgers behind the scene. I'd rather play with Dak Prescott. Really? Dak Prescott, I, Aaron Rodgers gets kind of bitchy when he starts losing. Dak Prescott, I don't feel is that guy. That he's kind of more the Russell Wilson type that's going to be like, hey, we're still in this game, let's go. Like, let's go figure it out. So I would rather play with a personality type like Dak Prescott. Not necessarily Dak Prescott as a quarterback. Because, mm-hmm. again, I think his arm is limiting. I do have concerns. And this is my Ramsey's radar. I think the Dallas Cowboys are going to be in trouble. I don't think Dak Prescott's health, or shoulder is healthy. Right. And I, that team is so quarterback dependent to make that thing go. And who's their backup? Fanucci? Um, he is there. And then, oh, God. He was actually featured really uh, frequently on Hard Knocks last week. I can't even think what his name is, so he's not that great. But That's what I'm saying. So they're saying that Dak Prescott has a shoulder issue that they've started contemplating or um, consulting the New York Yankees and the Texas Rangers. Which is this. not a good company to be in when it comes to shoulder. Well, I shouldn't say that because you're going to get the best care in the world. You don't want to be having those conversations. And the Dallas Cowboys with Mike McCarthy as a head coach. So Mike McCarthy, I think we can all agree isn't necessarily an A-plus coach. Right. I don't think Mike McCarthy is a B-plus coach. I wasn't even sure if I'd give him a C-plus coach. I was about coach. to say, I don't think he's a C-plus coach. So you go into every single week with a coaching disadvantage. On top of the fact you have an older offensive line, Zeke Elliott is way overpaid and underproducing, and the team has kind of come to the point where they're very Dak Prescott-dependent. And I don't think he's healthy. So I think if Ramsey's radar was a thing, I'm not sure what the over-under for the Cowboys is this year. I'd probably take the under. I believe it's nine. I'd probably take the under nine. I'll look that up. You got one or two. You got another one? That was the one I had. Okay. That's fair. I kind of put a lot of thought into that one today. Yeah. So the Cowboys win-loss over-under this year. It's not looking great. The first, uh, what I pulled up here, they are not favorites very frequently. Well, they, they here's how they start off the season. Week one against Tampa Bay. Not a great way to start the season. Really? Going against Tom Brady? Right. What a beautiful man, by the way. Consensus six and a half point dogs in the season opener. They are plus 3,000 to win the Super Bowl. Plus 1,500 to win the NFC. 
plus 135 to win the NFC East, which kind of makes them more or less the betting favorite. So plus 3,000 to win the Super Bowl. If you bet a dollar, you win $3,000. Where does that put them on the list? Who else is above them? Probably most teams. I'm getting the odds pulled up. Also, the over-under for wins and losses was nine. It was exactly nine. I'm taking the under. Yeah, I would I think too. it's going to be seven. Because that division's going to be a lot better, too. The NFC West is, or NFC East is going to be... Well, Washington's going to be good. Washington's going to be good. And I don't necessarily think that they're... I would be surprised if Ryan Fitzpatrick is their starting quarterback by the end of the season. I'm not sure who else is going to be there or what they're going to do to make a move. But I do think that they're going to find someone else to replace Ryan Fitzpatrick at some point. So the Dallas Cowboys are kind of middle of the pack. And this is coming from trying to figure out who the source on this is. From DraftKings. So these are live odds from DraftKings. Kansas City Chiefs are plus 500. So if you bet a dollar on the Chiefs, you get 500 back. Tampa Bay Buccaneers are plus 600. The Bills are plus 1,000. Green Bay Packers are plus 1,300. That's your top five. Or top four. Top five, round it out. Uh, The Baltimore Ravens, the San Francisco 49ers, and Los Angeles Rams are all plus 1,400. Okay. So that's your top. I mean, essentially tied for your top five. That's your top seven. Uh, at, at A to B, Cleveland Browns are plus 1,600, then a pretty sizable gap. Seattle Seahawks are plus 2,200. So what they're telling you in that situation is that Cleveland is your long shot, and everyone else after that doesn't really have a shot, right? I mean, you're more than likely that your Super Bowl winner will come from those first seven teams. And then the Saints are plus 3,000, the Titans are plus 3,000, the Cowboys are plus 3,000, the Chargers are plus 3,000, and the Patriots are all plus 3,000. And those are a lot of good teams. And we were talking about this today, actually. In the NFL, we've kind of got to the point where there's not really, there's what, two bad teams? Houston and Detroit? Houston and Detroit, by the way. Detroit is plus 20,000 to win the Super Bowl. And Houston is plus 30,000 to win the Super Bowl. The but, Jets and the Bengals are slightly above that at plus 15,000. But for what it's worth, with the Jets and Green Bay over the weekend, I did not watch the game. However, I did hear the Jets look good. I heard Zach Wilson looked all right. Zach Wilson looked good against the Packers second and third string guys. And the Bengals are going to be better if Joe Burrow can be healthy. Right. So if we're talking that that's the bottom of the league... Those teams are all interesting. Like, I'm interested in New York. I'm interested in Cincinnati. I'm interested in I'm interested in Motor City, Jacksonville. Detroit with Dan Campbell. Because that's going to be either a shit show no, or it's gonna be a mildly show. surprising. It's going to be a shit show. I'm rooting for shit show. There's no way Dan Campbell. He's going to go bite the legs off. Yeah. But he's biting kneecaps, Ramsey. When was the last time Bill Belichick go up and bite someone's kneecaps off? <laughs> or when was the last time Andy Reid got in a press conference and just yelled about... Chugging coffee enemas. You're not wrong. I'm just saying, Dan Campbell, I, I'm I'm rooting for shit show. If you're a Detroit fan, man, it's not looking great. Hey, I heard uh, Spencer Rattler, though, out of Oklahoma is pretty good. So, Houston Texans fans, uh, Lions fans, I mean, line up. 
Oh man! The, so by the way, the other two teams in the are the other two teams in the uh, NFC North. The Vikings are plus five thousand. The Bears are plus sixty five hundred. That surprises me. I think the Bears are a better team. Then the Vikings. I would agree. I think the Bears are a better team than the Vikings, and I think the Vikings have issues. I think they're going to get one against us this year because they seem to do that. I am more worried about the Bears than I am the Vikings. I'm not this year. Next year's a different story. I, I'm not scared of Andy Dalton. And for what it's worth, Andy Dalton's not going to come to Green Bay and beat the Packers. No, but Justin Fields might get, like you said, that second game in Chicago is coming off a of Bears bye week. That I, could be the Justin Fields game. And I think that that could be a jump on Green Bay. And traditionally speaking, Green Bay has not dealt well with mobile quarterbacks. Traditionally speaking, I get that's an old regime. Old regime, totally different staff. But they didn't even have him back with Michael Vick back in the day, Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. I mean, even... Uh, Michael Vick, the second time, when he was with Philadelphia, that playoff game. He torched us too, didn't he? Torched us a little bit until Tremont Williams got injured. Because if you remember that game, the Super Bowl year, the Eagles were driving down the field with the potential to, like, I can't remember if it was to tie the game or take the lead. And if it wasn't for Tremont Williams' interception in the end zone, like, the Eagles were driving downfield. It wasn't even like a... A prayer to the end zone that got thrown up with like no time left. It was like a minute twenty. No, I know, and that that Eagles team was good. That was Michael Michael Vick should have been the MVP of the league that year. Yeah, I believe it was Peyton Manning, wasn't it? That would have been the twenty ten season. Mike, I watched a lot of Eagles games that year. That was, was so much fun. I was fascinated by Michael Vick, and you know, looking back on it, he probably wasn't as good as I remember him. See, I think he I. Michael Vick, and, it's, and rightfully so, by the way, gets really slept on in terms of his legacy because of the whole dogfighting thing, which, again, terrible. And that should, in the grand scheme of things, kind of take precedence in the whole life situation stuff. Michael Vick was a human cheat code for probably about six years of football. Yeah, where he, I mean, he was rushing for 1,000 yards as a quarterback. I mean, that's not. And he had a cannon. Yeah, he did. Like, you know, the biggest knock on Lamar Jackson is he can't throw the football downfield. Michael Vick throw the football downfield. Michael Vick could hurl that bitch downfield. But, you know, people say Lamar Jackson's fast. I think Michael Vick was faster. Yeah. I truly do. I remember Michael Vick, and you, you couldn't get a good hit on him. Like, he was... 2010 was Tom Brady, by the way. Fucking love Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, Tom Brady was the uh, unanimous MVP. Or not unanimous, but... Uh, the AP and Pro Football Writers of America MVP. And Michael Vick was top five, probably. I'd have to look at that number. Uh, you don't have it up. It's not that big of a deal. But I remember being, as a kid in 2010, upset that Michael Vick did not win the MVP that year. I remember that being a fact. I'm like, how did Michael Vick not win the MVP? Yeah. Now, that Tom, Tom Brady had a great year that year, obviously, because he was the All-Pro. He was the MVP. Michael Vick was a lot of fun to watch that year. And you felt so, I mean, because that, that's what America's all about, too, is that second chance story. Mm. And I, he, the work that he's done since then really makes it sound like he actually was reformed and, and really kind of grew up and learned and got out of a shitty situation. Um, so good on him for actually redeeming himself yeah. and having the talent to earn a second chance or get a second chance. But, that, yeah, that was fun. Um so anyway, so with that, we kind of transition to the Packer talk here that we kind of have been having but not having. 
And it is, we are one week away from the preseason cuts and being down to the 53-man roster. There is a lot of good competition coming up here as to who is going to make this Green Bay Packers team. And a lot of the positions are set. I mean, we're probably going to carry two quarterbacks. It's going to be Rodgers and Jordan Love. three. It's going to really depend if they think that they can stow or stash Kurt Banker because Kurt Banker played really well. He was lighting it up. He is a guy, if you, if you cut him, he probably will not get on, back on your practice squad roster. He will be a backup somewhere. He, I, don't, I don't think you need to carry Kurt Banker. I think he's earned it, though. Because he's played two good preseason games so far. Yeah. Like, I think he's earned that right to be on the 53. I don't think they keep him, though, because... You have other you, positions you that are bigger carry, needs. You can't, you, you can't have a moral victory when you're trying to win a Super Bowl. But if they decide to go that route, I think there would be a lot of people who would be pleasantly happy, you know, surprised and happy. The dude's electric. Like yeah, he's he really a, he's, is. he's great on Twitter. I don't follow him on Twitter. Is he you good? should. He, he's hilarious. He's also a pro gamer. Like he, he had gotten cut by the Falcons, and he was out of football for, until Green Bay had signed him. He decided he's going to be a pro gamer for a while. Good for him. So That's where the money is. Pro gamer. And uh, like I said, just it's probably just going to be one of those casualties where if, if they didn't have a first-round quarterback, and Jordan Love is good, by the way. This is not anti-Jordan Love. But if they didn't have a first-round quarterback that they do believe is the future of the franchise, Kurt Bankert is good enough to be a backup on most teams. And I've said this. You know, it's kind of hard on Jordan Love that first week. I watched him live. He's an NFL quarterback. I don't necessarily, I can't say the same about Kurt Bankard. Mm-hmm. Like, I watch Kurt Bankard. I'm like, okay, yeah, he's fun to watch. But you watch Jordan Love come on the field, you go, okay, that's. He's that guy. He's an NFL quarterback. You, you look at him, he's, he might not be a great quarterback. And I don't really, I guess I don't know where he's at. I'd still lean, he's probably closer to Baker than Aaron. But, still a playoff quarterback, though. With a really good roster on them. Right. That's the but, key. So I, I, and that's so getting cut to Jordan Love is there's no, uh, there's no shame in that. No, that's, uh, that's just a casualty that you're kind of getting at. So then we go to the running back. Running back, I think, is pretty much a done deal, too. Well, It'll, we think it's been a done deal, though, correct? I mean, we've all had more consensus. or less. I mean, it, it's, Running back is kind of how I viewed what they were going to do with wide receiver, where if it was going to be, depending on how many they wanted to carry, was going to be the competition. Uh, it's been pretty much, you know, obviously Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon have been the locks. And Kylan Hill has played well enough to, to be that second lock, yeah, or that third lock. I wouldn't be surprised to see him play some snaps this season. Oh, yeah. He will, I think he will play relatively meaningful snaps this year. All things considered, like he won't be like your number one feature back. He won't be your number two feature back because they, you know, they're going to go Thunder and Lightning, uh, Dylan Jones in that in that analogy. Kind of the whole Eddie Lacy, James Starks type thing. Right. However, I think that these two are better than Eddie Lacy and. Oh, James without Starks. a doubt, this is that's not. I don't even think that's really a conversation, but I really like AJ Dillon. Do you follow him on uh, TikTok? I do. He's, he's a good guy. Yeah, he's a good, he's a he's a good TikTok follower. And then your cuts there would be Dexter Williams and Patrick Taylor, which Dexter Williams, I liked him though. Dexter Williams is one of those guys who 
I think he will end up having a longer NFL career. He's managed to stick around in Green Bay for, what, going on three years now? Like, as a practice squad guy, gets a couple games in the regular season. Well, he could be a practice squad guy again this year, I guess. So, it's just kind of one of those things where he'll he'll latch on somewhere if it's not here. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Taylor has had moments of being good. But... But that's just it's the reality of the situation. It kind of goes back to the Kurt Banker thing, though, where you have three or four guys who are just above you that are just better than you are. Mm-hmm. And that's no shame on you. It's just the reality of this time of year in the NFL. Right. So here's where it gets interesting. And here's where, depending on how, what you think and what you've seen on tape, and this is going to be the first position where I really think that there's actually a competition and I didn't think this a week ago. The wide receiver position, I think, is back open. In the sense that you have five locks Watch as of right now. Real quick. We'll have Devontae, Lazard, MVS, Cobb, Amari Rogers. Okay. So this is going to be a decision on if you want to keep six or do you keep seven. If you keep six, I think it's Devin Funchess. And I think he's at lock at six. He's borderline lock. I think he's locked. I think he's... He didn't play in game two. It wasn't like an injury thing. I, I, I would agree he's probably locked. I think he's um, not necessarily a lock for... I think he's good for Jordan Love. I do too. I think Jordan Love really likes him. I do and too. And that's good to have your rookie quarterback or your second-year quarterback have someone he's comfortable with in case of an Aaron Rodgers injury. Right. Him and Amari Rodgers. Devin Funches yep. and Amari Rodgers are those two guys. Wide receiver seven, though, if they decide to go that route, is the real conversation. Which, and let's talk about this real quick, too. I think they're going to carry two quarterbacks and three running backs. Yeah. Right? So you have some flexibility there. So I believe there would be a seven slot open if that's the way you wanted to go. And we'll get to that in a second here, because there is some, some room you can have. Whereas if you, depending on how many tight ends you want to keep, and we'll get to that in a second. But... So, we, like I said, we start at the conversation six or seven. But I think that seventh guy is a little bit more open now. And here's why. So, coming into preseason games, it's been Juwan Winfrey is kind of that guy that's going to be almost impossible to cut. Where he's probably going to make the team, they're probably going to carry seven. It's just going to be one of those it is what it is things. Malik Taylor, the last two games and in practice, has looked really, really good. good. He's looked good in practice. He was kind of that surprise roster spot last year. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's that guy again this year. Well, I know you kind of just you hinted at that before we started talking receivers, that, that you weren't so sold on that before, even last week. Right. I agree with you, though. I mean, yeah, and, and, and he's looked good. He's, he's had great sideline awareness. We saw that in the game against the Jets. He's... Able to high point the football very well. Um, I mean, the wide receiver position, I mean, EQ is gone. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Which should have been happened uh, already. Chris Blair is gone. Who the hell is Chris Blair? I don't, I've never heard of that name before in my life. I didn't even know he was on the team, to be honest with you. Um, they had made the cut of DeAndre Tompkins already. Which is kind of sad, DeAndre Tompkins. I was I was a big fan of him in practice. He was a good practice player. He was the cut uh, one of the cuts in the last couple of days here. But when you watch him though, 
he's not as good as the other the group. seven guys that we're talking about or the eight the guys, eight we're, guys talking we're talking about. about. He's that next step down. So it's not anything against him either. It's the whole. So it really just depends on what you're going to do there. Um, and then Reggie Begleton, which again, he's one of those guys where it's like, okay, you know, you've had, he's had moments, right? He was on the roster for a game or two last year. He's not particularly special at special teams, which is where I actually think Malik Taylor gets the advantage in too. Yep. Cause he has experience there too. So it is, it kind of, it's going to be one of those things where let's see what they, how many they want to keep because at tight end, you have a little bit of wiggle room here. And so you have three locks at, or three for sure locks at tight end. Tunyon, duh. Mercedes well, Lewis, really? duh. Really? And Josiah Aguara. Again, duh. See, I think Jay Sternberg was a lock too. Well, Jay, here's kind of one of the caveats is Jay Sternberg is suspended for two years or for two games. So he doesn't count on the initial 53. Because he was uh, smoking the reefer. The Devil's Lettuce? Yeah. Is that legal now in the NFL? No. It's like the one sport it's not. Oh. And track. Which, by the way, I'm, i got to say this. Big nugget of Shikari Richards. I smoked. No pun intended or pun intended? You tell me. <laughs> no, God, dude. Got lit, dude. She got fucking rocked. She finished. So, like, Nike, it was a mandatory Nike event. Like, all the Nike athletes had to be there. This is her big return to the stage. She's had a month off where she should have just been focusing on stuff. She's done like, nothing but talking shit about about how stupid the Olympics are because yeah. she was smoking weed because she was like her uh, what was it? her mom had gotten sick her mom passed away. Her mom too. died, so she decided to smoke weed instead of drink like an adult. <laughs> and gets like talks all this shit, and in the first race gets blown out of the water. Then NBC decides to interview her after the race. She said, I'm not going away. I, I'm not going to be out of the vision as the three Jamaican women who finished one, two, three in the Olympics, finished one, two, three in this race, walk by laughing their asses off. And the one almost set a world record. She ran a 10, five, four. I think she did set the women's world. Well, she had set the Olympic record in Tokyo. And I think she beat her time. I, I don't think it was a world record. Though. I think she was just off. It was an Olympic record. I don't think it was a world record. Yeah. I'm saying at the, yeah. Nike, the Nike event. Yeah. She was just off the world record. Yeah. And there's Shikari, or was it Richards? Richardson? One of the two? Whoever she is. Doesn't matter. Because <laughs> she, she got <laughs> killed. She got smoked. Okay. So, yeah. So, Jay Sternberger is starting the year in suspended list. So, really, I mean, depending on how you feel about where DeGuara is health-wise, because he tore his ACL really early last year, so he sh- probably should be good to go. Right. You could carry Dominique Daphne, who kind of played that H-back, wide receiver, tight end role, opposite Tunyon. Or maybe you ke- carry three tight ends, eventually four, to keep seven receivers. Man, but there's five good tight ends there, though. Yeah. Like, Mercedes Lewis, I, in my personal opinion, is probably the one you should cut, but... But they won't. <laughs> I wonder why. Because he blocks like a, like he's like a seventh lineman. And why or sixth else? lineman. And Aaron Rodgers likes him. There you go. Which isn't a bad thing. That's fine. But, so, Daphne's kind of on that, we'll see. 
A lot of, if you look out there, a lot of roster projections have him on the 53. I don't hate that. I think he's a guy that might get cut for Sternberger anyway. Add that because because the the benefit I guess of carrying Daphne and only carrying like six receivers is if you carry Daphne, you have a spot to cut for when Sternberger comes back. That we still have four tight ends. And I really like Chase too. If he could, if he could have stayed healthy, I think it is who we thought they drafted was it three years ago now. Yeah, I, he's athletic. You watch him play, you're like. That dude can move. The problem with Sternberger, though, and this isn't, I guess this is a knock on him, but I don't mean it necessarily as a knock on him, is Robert Tunyon has taken the role that he was supposed to be. Yeah. And I, that's not fair to Sternberger, per se, because he's been injured. He's been, he had the off-the-field things. He's, it's mostly been injury, but. Part of being that's a good part of that's part of being, being available. Well, right, it's being available, but it's also part of just the business of sports. Of yep. you get a guy who you are supposed to be better than all, pay, on paper, everything says that you're the guy, and you lost that spot. And Bob Tunyon became the fan favorite because he's he's hilarious. He's Loved fun. Bob Tunyon, and he just loves to be. He loves Green Bay too. That's why I think that's why I like him. Yeah, he just loves to be here. And he's he's George Kittle light because he works out with George Kittle. Him and Kittle are best buddies. They have the same look. They have the same like mannerisms. They have fun with football. I love tight ends in general. They're pretty great. What a fun group of guys. They're kind of like the bullpen of football. Like you, like your best, your most fun guys in baseball are your bullpen guys. Usually, like because they, they just sit there and do nothing almost all game except you know throw a couple times right. and they go pitch one inning. And all they do is sit there in the bullpen, just shoot the shit, play games the entire time. I went to a Timberwolves game like about a month ago, where the teams, the opposing team's bullpen was playing bocce ball in the bullpen, <laughs> with the weighted like the different weighted balls that they had out there. Yeah, they're playing bocce ball. It was awesome. Then one guy had to get up and throw, and they're just like, "Oh man." So, yeah. So you got four tight ends. What I've, kind of cash does a bullpen player make? In a the, bullpen in, pitcher, in, yeah. In baseball, like the like in the pros, like the MLB level. I mean, Craig Kimbrell's one of the higher paid guys. Josh Hader will be when he gets out of arbitration out of the rookie deals. Probably 15, 20 million. Why didn't no one tell me that 10 years ago? Because <clears throat> you went to care because you'd gotten bored. If I'm going to bocce ball in the outfield, <laughs> though. Fair enough. That's fair. That's fair. So then the offensive line is going to be, I mean, what? They're almost always 10 guys deep. At least, yeah. I mean, the two projections I've seen, I mean, it's, they've both been 10. Um, and it really depends on what they end up doing with Bakhtiari, too, as to who makes the team, too. Um, the star of the week kind of has been Royce Newman this last week. He's been kind of the, the star in taking over position, and it's actually been kind of Lucas Patrick that's gotten kind of booted out after a shit show of a game on Saturday. He had a rough game against the Texans too, didn't he? He wasn't great, but it wasn't as bad as it was against the Jets. And yeah, he it's it's been a rough week for Mr. Patrick. Where I'm not saying he played his way out of Green Bay. He didn't do himself any favors. So he played himself out of Green Bay. Right. So Royce Newman's kind of been the, the new darling. 
Um, Cole Van Lannen, the product out of the Badgers, has been some list you see him there as that 10th guy. Although he probably plays ahead of some other guys, but just position depth-wise. Um, also, just like I said, seeing if David Bakhtiari is going to be on the regular season roster if he's going to start the season on the pup. He looks good, though. He seems to be getting around all right. So, I mean, I There's, would guess he starts on the pup, but... Right. So, we'll see what they end up doing with that. Uh, you go to the defensive side of the ball. This is where it kind of um, gets really interesting, too. I mean, your defensive line is pretty pretty set here, too, in my opinion. Um, Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, Kingsley Kiki, Tyler Lancaster, TJ Slayton, all guys who are going to play. Right, big minutes. Big minutes. I mean, Kenny Clark is your main guy. I think TJ Slayton is going to be impress a lot of people. Uh, the rookie out of Florida, who is a fifth or sixth round draft pick and this year. And didn't he drop in the draft too? Wasn't he projected? Uh, like, obviously not like a first round. Yeah, because he switched positions. He was projected higher. Right. So TJ Slayton is going to take a fifth round pick, uh, takes a big spot that really they couldn't fill last year because of Montrevious Adams got hurt, Billy Wynn, and then Snacks Harrison came in for the end of the year, but... TJ Slayton's more athletic than all three of those guys at this point. Yep. Uh, Snacks Harrison was probably better four or five years ago. If they would have gotten four or five years ago, Snacks Harrison, it's a big different story. Well, he was second best <sighs> defensive tackle in the league five years ago. Right. But we're, that's not the case. People age. So TJ Slayton, big, uh, pretty slam dunk there. The outside linebackers, I mean, you've got three locks again. Zadarius, Preston, Rashawn Gary. Right. The fourth position there, uh, this list that I'm looking through for, so SI's prediction has uh, Chauncey Rivers, who was picked up off of waivers by Baltimore as the fourth guy. Uh, Tipa Galilee has been making waves right. as well, so I'd be very okay with that. Um, so really depending on, on how you feel about that spot, I mean, that's probably your fourth guy either way. Uh, inside linebacker, this was a big surprise today, was Kamal Martin got cut. Second Which, second year player out of Minnesota, fifth round draft pick last year. And I, I, I thought he played well. He played okay in the games. He's had a really rough camp. Um, I was talking to one of my buddies after work about this, where it just kind of, he's probably going to be one of those guys where he was a better fit in the old regime. New regime. And just the new defense just wasn't kind of the guy. Right. So he is actually out now. He got cut. Uh, this list had him making the team, which is kind of funny, but it's not. But kind of funny. It may be better, I guess. Uh, Chris Barnes, Devondre Campbell. Devondre Campbell has been massive right now. He's probably going to be the biggest offseason acquisition outside of maybe Amari Rogers. I don't know how much of my Rogers plays this year, though. No, I don't either. But I'm just saying, like in terms of like going fanfare and yeah. going forward, it's probably your biggest offseason acquisition. Uh, Oren Burks has taken a, a roster spot away, and I think that's where the Kamal Martin cut came, is because of how good Oren Burks has been in this new and defense. He's played really well. He's played, he played really, really well. well. Houston. He played 
in the two series, I think he played against the Jets. He was playing downhill again. Uh, Ty Summers has played a role on this team. Mm-hmm. He's going to make the roster. He's another guy where even just for the special teams experience, kind of being one of those like uh, on punt block and yep. um, kick return, just one of those guys you need to have on on the field. And then cornerback, I think kind of locked in here. There's not really a whole lot, especially now that the Kadar Holman trade happened today. I don't know if you saw that one. I did not. He got traded to Houston for a fifth round or seventh round pick. Nice. Which basically turns the trade for Randall Cobb into Kadar Holman for Randall Cobb. I'll take it. That, they, that's worth it. The pick that they got was the seventh round pick from the Bears from Houston. Don't you love trades? Right? So, in, in all reality, that's basically it was Kadar Holman for Randall Cobb, which I'll take. Because Kadar Holman probably wasn't going to make the team the way it was. And let's be honest, though. That's, the Bears' seventh-round pick is better than the pick we sent. Yeah. So, really, we made out. Right. Really, we got Randall Cobb for a better pick. Yeah. So, then, you got Jair Alexander. Duh. Kevin King, unfortunately, duh. Ugh. Eric Stokes, duh. Uh, Shannon Sullivan, who has looked pretty competent yep. this preseason. Uh, Isaac Yadam, Shamar Jean Charles, and then depending on how you feel about KB and Ento. You start getting down that far. Right. I mean, special teams, guys. Yeah. Which, by the way, we really didn't get a proper send off last week. So long, Josh Jackson. Freaking buried him last week in the Packers. I'm thinking somebody in the front office. I don't know if it's Brian Gutekunst or who in the front office listens to this show. I'm saying I think we might have had an impact on that. I, I think it was just us, actually. I don't I don't remember hearing anyone else talk about Josh Jackson. I mean, Twitter was pretty loud. I know I know what you're doing here. I, but I don't remember those guys. It's fair. I'll give you Bunch that. Bunch of nerds. They're probably, they're probably doing the wave too. You know, there was a lot of people doing the wave that were tweeting about being on that game about Josh Jackson getting beat. So I mean, they're... so uh, Brian, if you're listening to us, thank you. Uh, you know, we take this seriously, so I'm glad that you take us seriously. Yeah, if you want to come on the pod, you know, <laughs> wouldn't Hook that be some shit up. though? Like, if you actually like reached out this week, like, hey, appreciate the shout out, I'd shit my pants. I don't know if I want him on. I think I would. If Brian Gudikins was willing to come on this show, he would sit in the podcast studio. I would. I wouldn't even let Justin come in the studio that week. He'd he'd have to call via Zoom and. We'd give uh, that third mic to Brian Gutekunst and say, hey, chill on this couch I got here. So He's a little pretentious for me. He, he definitely is. But if he's listening to our show and he traded Josh Jackson because it was part of our Nuggies of the Week, I think, I think we could do him a solid and have him on the show. I mean, I guess I can do him a solid. <laughs> I guess. And then uh, safety position. This is all pretty, pretty much locked in stone, too. Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage, Will Redmond, Vernon Scott, Henry Black. Uh, Scott, Redmond, Black playing kind of in those corners, dime roles yep. too. Uh, you've Very, got, they're, it's a versatile group, that's for damn sure. There's a lot of athletes back in Am, the secondary. Amos and Savage are your center field guys. Yep. He, uh, Savage kind of has been taking, well, actually both of them really. Uh, last year we're kind of playing up on the line sometimes. And, you know, it's a new defense here, so I don't know what you'll see because we haven't seen these guys play in the preseason. I would anticipate them playing a little more coverage. I think you're going to see a lot more aggressive, actually, out of those two. I think you're going to see them on the line a lot more, a la Charles Woodson. So? so the thing with Joe Barry's defense, and the thing we haven't really talked about a whole lot on this show yet, is just how... So 
he's got a, a specific role in his defense, and they make special packages called star packages, where it's man on man. It's you see a lot of break plays. You see a lot of just this is who we're going to highlight this play. Yeah, go be an athlete. And Adrian Amos and, and Darnell Savage, Jair Alexander's been talked about for that role. Chris Barnes has been talked a lot about for some of those packages. You have a lot of guys who can play a lot of those roles and play in this new defense. I think you're going to see a lot bigger highlight-type packages, especially out of Darnell Savage. Adrian Amos has kind of been that center field safety. Um, no one gets, you know, the prototypical safety, no one gets behind him. He doesn't well, get beat. If you don't hear about him, how many times have you ever heard about Darnell Savage? Only when he's making an interception. And otherwise, you don't hear about him, he's doing his job. Like, right. He's not Kevin King where we sit here and just roast him. Can you believe we have to have another season watching that pile of human garbage? I know. For $6 million. $6 million. I just, I can't. Got burned by a white guy. Yeah. I, I just, I can't. I can't. Just thinking about makes me angry. The fact that we brought him back, I, we had a celebration episode of him leaving Green Bay. We really did. We buried him on the show. We're, we're going to bury him all year. There's no way. He's a trash player. I'm going to laugh if he somehow gets defensive player. I still bury him. I don't care. He, he's going to fuck up somewhere. And we're going to just. <laughs> I'm rubbing my hands together for that time. I'm waiting for it, I am biting for it. You will hear about it when it happens on this show, on my Twitter. Because really, it's the Kevin King Dumpster Fire of the Year Award. Yeah. And as of right now, he is the leader in the clubhouse for the Kevin King Dumpster Fire of the Year Award. I think the Houston Texans have done a pretty good job at at least being equal to that role. Well, Um, if the quarterback wasn't raping chicks, I mean. Allegedly. There's 24 of them. I know. I know. And they're taking legal action now. Like if a quarterback wasn't inappropriately touching um, Shaw's therapist, we would. Uh, they'd be. They wouldn't be the dumpster fire of the year. Actually, I think they still would be because they probably would have not traded him at his peak value. He has no trade value right now. Um, I'm also gonna say Shakari Richards actually probably gets in this conversation now too. We'll see what she does the rest of the year. She has time to redeem herself. I suppose. I can't wait for our awards episode. That's going to be so much fun. Because Houston really can't redeem themselves. No. No, they are, they are very Kevin deep in this. King really cannot redeem himself. He would have to be the defensive player of the year, like unanimous. And even then? I'd still probably find faults. Yeah, I'm going to guess he's probably still. The odds of him redeeming himself are very low. I mean, he's in the category with the Houston Texans. That's where our awards so far this year... Justin's had a couple other ones, too, where he's... I can't remember. He's had some good ones, too, where I've agreed with him when he said them, but I can't recall them off the top of my head. But I'm, like I'm saying, though, those two are the leaders in the clubhouse. And yeah. it's not really that close. We should do, like, a live video for our award show this yeah, year. Yeah, That'd be great. And then special, just to kind of wrap everything up here, uh, duh, Mason Crosby, J.K. Scott, Hunter Bradley. Uh, J.K. Scott's had a pretty good camp. Where they ended up, they actually had brought a punter in. He got axed right away. So they've seen enough out of J.K. Scott. Where wasn't he one of the best punters in the league last year? He punted less than Aaron Rodgers had interceptions. So yeah. Or no, no, no. 
Aaron Rodgers had more touchdowns than he had punts last year. Nice. So he wasn't he wasn't uh, very useful in that sense, which is good. Like you want that to happen. Where if your punter's only punting forty times for the entire year, that's on average what two or three a game, yep. two and a half a game, where he's punting. Because you're either putting the ball in the end zone or through the uprights. Can't complain about that. I hope the Packers are good this year. <laughs> I I really think they will be. Packers I, season stresses me out, though. I You know, we've talked about this outside of the podcast. I love baseball. Like, baseball season ages me. Packers season ages me, but in a different way. Like, I'm not as attached because that's really when I work in most of the media. So I've kind of detached myself a little bit more. And taking more of an analytical side. Well, I detach myself, but it's just so. Well, no, no, I mean, that's but that's what I'm gonna say is like, it is so stressful sometimes, being a Packer fan, because there's no reason this team should not go twelve and five, thirteen and four this year. No reason. Absolutely, barring injury, which you know, knock on wood, but no reason that they shouldn't be. They could have a better team than they did last year and more talented, which, I mean, it'd be kind of hard to do because it's a lot of the same guys, but you could get growth. You know, we've talked about that. And probably go, like, 11 and 6 and just be stressed out. It's frustrating, too, because they should, they should. There's, like, three or four games that I don't think they'll be the favorite. Mm-hmm. But they'll be favored in 13 of their games this year. I mean... And very, very realistically, if that's the case, go thirteen and four in those, yeah. those games. Because I don't, I think they have yet to win a game that they have not been favored. Well, Aaron Rodgers, the floor era. Aaron Rodgers doesn't play well when he's underdog. He never has. He probably never will at this point. Well, old dogs don't learn new tricks. But I'd love to see it happen. But so we, I mean, we'll do more breakdown. As this comes up, like I said, I think the biggest competition, though, how many receivers they keep, what they do at tight end, and the X's and O's of the offensive line, which I'm not even going to pretend to. Whoever they keep, I'm going to say, yeah, that's, that's, that's the right call. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt on that. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not going to on whatever other position. Yeah. I call offensive line is the one position that, like, the average fan... Literally knows nothing about. Like, you know if someone's good or not by watching them. Mm-hmm. Like, you obviously, when you watch Billy Turner, you know Billy Turner's not as good as Dave Bakhtiari. Right. But uh, that's really the extent of it. Like, we really have a really hard time judging. Well, have you ever looked at, I mean, and that's, at least defensive linemen get tackles and stuff like that. Yeah. Offensive line have, on the back of their football card, have games games played, games started, that's it. Yep. There's no offensive line football card stats. I think they could, in this day and age, they could probably make some up. I think that'd be kind of cool if they could figure that out. Is it a true representation, though? <laughs> I'm sure they could do it in a way, especially with Fanatics uh, taking over as the MLB and NBA primary trading card dealer. Exclusive rights. Little Fanatics love there. Hashtag love on. Yeah, you know, Sweat Rays has got some rights in the NFL. I would love to see that. You know, I wouldn't even, maybe not even in the NFL, just to, if they could get like a college bowl game, the Rays Energy Gator Bowl or something like that. As promoters of the Rays Energy brand, I think we should have to go to that. 
I would think that we'd have to. I think we'd have to be ambassadors to, uh, to that event. I'd be all for that. This show fucking sucked. This is, yeah. This has <laughs> really gone off the rails here for the last <laughs> 13 minutes. It's been good stuff, though. So that's, that's kind of where we're at. With, you know, we got one more game, the Jake Kumar revenge game. I hope, I hope Kumar lights us up. We talk shit to Justin about Jake Kumar. He had another touchdown last week. Like, I mean, the Bills-Bears uh, game. First of all, Mitch Trubisky looked good, which is hilarious to me. I don't think the question was ever lack of talent for Mitch Trubisky. I don't either. I think Mitch Trubisky's Baker Mayfield, Kirk Cousins, he's, he's as good as the team that's put around him. Mm-hmm. And... The Chicago Bears should never get that right. Right. But yeah, they've they've kind of they kind of ruined Mitch Trubisky. I would love to see the Mitch Trubisky revenge tour. I still think he's I think he's a terrible quarterback as a whole. He should never have been the third overall drafted quarterback that year. You know what's crazy too? The third overall pick that year. With old Mitch Trubisky, and he is a solid quarterback. I think mean, no one can argue the fact that he wins games and is a solid NFL quarterback. If he's your backup, you feel pretty comfortable. Yeah. He's probably the 30, somebody in the 31st and 34th best quarterback in the league. I'd probably put him at more like the 34 to 40 range, somewhere but in there. There's three backups in the league that are better than he is. I'd say there is. I mean, I think he's, if he was on the Bears right now, he wouldn't be the fourth, he'd be the fourth best quarterback on the Bears right now. Oh, he's better than Nick Foles. Nick Foles has a Super Bowl. He's probably better than Andy Dalton. I don't know. I don't think so. I think Justin Fields is the best quarterback in Chicago right now, but that's not here nor there. Trevor, so we've been watching this Jacksonville game on and off while the podcast is going on. Trevor Trevor Lawrence Lawrence has zero help. Yeah. This is going to be a rough year for Mr. Lawrence, who... Has that has shown signs of being really good, but he did not have two seconds here. No, they had and, they had two defensive linemen. Yep, and, that's Urban Meyer. That is the reaction. Just head straight down. That's unbelievable. What's even more unbelievable is that week one, if the Jaguars lose, will be his first regular season loss ever. Think about that for just a second. Yeah, no, that's. Between him and then, like, the next coming of with Arch Manning, his younger brother is now a, a freshman center. I saw that. Just, I wish we had, I kind of wish we had Justin on here to kind of break that down from a scout perspective of just how good Arch Manning really is. I mean, we can sit here and watch him and, and root and rave for him and, and see the eye test. And has I'm, he committed yet? I don't think so. To my knowledge, he has not. Probably in Alabama. Think so? Yeah. That quarterback made a million dollars. He doesn't need money, though. You know? It doesn't matter. He, the, the quarterback from Alabama who's not played in a game for the Alabama Crimson Tide made a million dollars off name image, name, image, likeness. I could see him going to Tennessee. That's my guess. Dark horse. Which not really a dark horse, but... No one actually wants to go to Tennessee. So he, I guess the story, the 2023 five-star quarterback, Arch Manning, has his final visit of the summer. And that was... See, he's visited six schools already. 
He's going to Clemson, SMU, Texas, LSU, Alabama, and Georgia. And the last one was Ole Miss this year. SMU? Yeah, and Ole Miss. What? Did Archie Manning go to SMU, or where'd he go? He might have, but that doesn't mean that <laughs> Arch Manning should go there. I'm a five-star recruit. You don't need to go to SMU. SMU hasn't been relevant since the Pony Express. Which was, what, 1986, 87? Yeah. Before the death penalty. Before most of the people that are watching Arch Manning were alive? Yeah. 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 And he, before his, most of his teachers were alive. Yeah. In high school. Probably. God, that's insane. I mean, that's obviously before our time, too, so we really can't talk that much shit, but we can. But they've been relevant in 30 years. The last time SMU football was relevant was the game that Johnny Manziel got suspended for a half because of the autograph scandal. Wasn't he throwing uh, gang signs at him or something on the sideline? He was throwing money signs. That's when he yeah. got the that was the money that was the debut of the money sign. Out. And he had signed his name in the air after a touchdown too. Yeah. So that was really the last time SMU was relevant. I miss Johnny football. I do too. I, I got his picture right there though too in the studio. I know it does make me feel better when I walk in here. And the jersey. And the, it makes me feel better when I walk in and I see Johnny Manziel first thing I walk in. Uh, Money Manziel. What a guy. I'm surprised he never really got a second chance in the NFL. He wasn't that good. No, he wasn't, but leave it to Mike Pettin in Cleveland to ruin him. Fuck Mike Pettin. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't we wrap up the show? Ramsey, what are you rooting for this week? I'm going to root for uh, Trevor Lawrence to have a better offensive line. That's kind of like a Christmas wish list, not a not a root for this week. But I'll we take also it. have uh, Daytona. There it is. The That's last regular season race. Root for here. Uh, coming up on Saturday night under the lights, Daytona. Not much else going on that Saturday. Check it out. It's going to be good. One playoff spot on the line. One, potentially two. I thought it was only one. I think if Har- Harvick... Harvick's locked in. Harvick locked in on Sunday. Are we sure that if he doesn't... No, I guess. There's he locked no, in. Yeah, he locked in. That's right. Points-wise, he locked in. So it's really that last spot, which is what Austin Dillon and... Tyler Reddick has it currently. Right. And it's like a 25-point split. Right. How, it's how doable is that? 25 points? Yeah. It's a must win. So he has to win. Has to, uh, I mean, 25 points is 25 spots. So if, I guess if Tyler Reddick burned out in the first few laps. Maybe. Maybe. But 25 points is pretty insurmountable at this point of the season. So probably he would have to wreck early. Austin would probably have to get a couple stage wins or a win to lock himself in. It's a it's for the most part anyone, whoever wins that is if they're not currently in the playoffs is a lock, right? That's it's going to be win win or Tyler Reddick is basically what it's going to boil down to. Okay, good stuff. Any other stuff, Ramsey? Not really. Uh, Ty Majeski ran well at Gateway. Yep, he was competitive, and then he won at the Hawkeye Downs, their big race, Hawkeye Two Fifty or whatever it is, down in in or Iowa over the weekend. Yep. He went from what in the truck race, he went from what 25 to 25th to fifth and one yep. before he got caught up in a wreck. Yep. And he's, I mean, he said on Twitter he was one um, adjustment away he thought from being contending to, for a win. And on the, the Hawkeye Downs race, he, uh, he kind of did what he was supposed to do at, was at WIR. Yep. Fastest lap qualifying, track record. And just went out and just dominated the rest win. of the race. So, time, yeah, I'll. Good for Tom Majeski. Really start, you know, still trying to work on getting him on the show. 
I'm going to root for, I'm going to take the Packers, obviously, you know, final preseason game, we'll just see those couple of last battles we were kind of talking about where, like I said, that receiver position. Are any starters going to play? I can't imagine that they would. You know what I mean? I mean, Grant, you're still, you have two weeks away from a game or from your regular season game, but I can't imagine anybody's going to play meaningfully. I think it's going to be, I'm curious if Jordan Love's going to play if he's healthy. I can't imagine he will. If he's healthy, I'd have to think he would, right? I'm not sure. I think he, I mean, I, I would think so for the reps, but at the same time, I, I, I don't know. Depends on how that shoulder is and what they kind of feel about it long term. If it's just precautionary, again, I think that speaks enough where they've seen what they need to out of him this preseason and this training camp. Um, Which I think they have, personally. Right. I, I think I've seen enough to understand about where he's at. So I I could see, you know, I, I think he's kind of a, a guy to possibly watch to see if he plays on Saturday. Um, I could see that receiver battle is going to be interesting. To see if they go, you see, first of all, if Juwan Winfrey can get on the field because he hasn't yep. played yet. See if Malik Taylor can kind of maybe close out that spot and see if he can maybe get that sixth or seventh spot. Uh, I think it'll be really interesting to see, you know, if Devin Funch just suits up because he didn't suit up week two. If they think he's a, kind of a lock for the main roster like we kind of thought he was. Uh, that inside, that middle linebacker battle is going to be interesting too. Um, again, between Galley and uh, the guy that I can't even think of his name, Chauncey Rivers, I think. Nope. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see as to what route they go there. All in all, I mean, like I said, not a whole lot of, of battles, but enough where it's, you can get some entertainment value out of it. Um, next three days, my eyes are going to be in Milwaukee. Like I said, you've got three big games against the Reds. And then a very winnable series against Minnesota to cap the weekend before you travel out west to play the Giants this time next week for a four-game set. Which, by the way, if you're the Brewers, I mean, I don't want to ever say you don't want to be the number one seed because that home field advantage is big in baseball. The Brewers have been probably the best team on the road this year, that said. Um, you wouldn't have to even be on the road till the NLCS. Potentially, I think the easiest route to a potential NLCS appearance would be being the two seed to play the team that wins the East. But the Brewers are only four and a half games back of the best record in baseball. So if they if they have a good series against the Giants, you could you could close that gap pretty significantly. Game. Well, and that's that's a week away. So that realistically, if you pick up a game somewhere, two games somewhere, yep. that's you know even if you take three out of four, or yep. if you split it. Um, it could be a big thing for Milwaukee, but really big series coming up this week. Cannot say that enough. Cincinnati, as they make this push to September, to make the sprint to October. So that is episode 37 of the Root for Wisconsin show. I'm Eric. That's Ramsey. Justin, not here doing the coaching world. We will talk to him next week after we help him coach, hopefully, to a Jill Tigers football win. Yes, yeah, if you see us, say hi. If you see us, say hi. Uh, no autographs during the game. No pictures. We got we got a job to do. After the game, though. After the game, though, I'm, I'm sure we would let you buy us a beer. Or we'll sign your shirt. Yeah. Whatever you want. <laughs> That's I'm Eric. That's Ramsey. We're out. See ya. Bye.